I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the French Talkie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, and La Rochelle and France number eight, Greg Aldrich. We've got a lot to catch up on because we haven't chatted to you, Greg, since the Six Nations and obviously a massive Champions Cup semi-final this week. But let's get the more important stuff out of the way first, Johnny. It's been ages. Who takes a holiday in the middle of the season? I'm blaming my wife and my children. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they are guilty as charged. Um... And it's no longer rugby holidays that you get to take with the boys. It's school holidays, mate. So it's twice as busy. It's twice as expensive. Um, I'll tell you that. Um, but it is what it is. So we were up near Brive in La Corrèze um, with the cows, with nature, some good food. It was magical. We did a few trips around les plus beaux villages de France. So it was nice to get a change of scene. It wasn't quite centre parks. That's where I know you were, Tim, with the <laughs> sheriff of Rottingham in, in Nottingham. So how was your how was your break? It's been two weeks. It's been ages. So yeah, yeah, I laid all the blame at your door. Then I went away the week after. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to mine in a second. But was that the, the most beautiful village in France? What's this? It's just like a circuit that you can go around. So you, you go around and see some of the nicest villages, the most scenic and picturesque um, towns in France and the kids love it. You can also do geocaching. Like your kids won't be old enough yet, Tim, but you can send them off like with your phone to go and do like treasure hunts around each of these. So while we're admiring like the beauty to keep them entertained, they go off and find like little clues and, and take you around the town. So um, modern orienteering, basically. Exactly. It's kids <laughs> orienteering that keeps them occupied. Um, and if you're traveling around France, they do it all over the place, but geocaching, a uh, good way to keep the kids entertained while you can nurse a beer or a glass of wine or whatever it is that you're having in between um, your lunch and dinner. Um, so no, that's it. Le plus beau village de France. And Greg, Johnny's made it sound quite idyllic there. I was going to ask you, who goes on holiday to breathe? Is that a thing? Um, I used to go <laughs> in holidays in Israel. It's quite similar, but uh, I did a one-week holiday. It was two weeks ago. Uh, it was similar for Brave. I went to, to New York, so kind of the same atmosphere. <laughs> <as in Brive. laughs> Different level, Johnny. Did you take your girlfriend geocaching around New York? Is that what you did, Greg? <laughs> the same type of thing. Same, same. How long was that for? You got a bit of a post-Six Nations break then? No, um, well, uh, during Six Nations, I had a few weeks of break because uh, I didn't play... Uh, I didn't play for, uh, for Scot- well, I played 10 minutes against Scotland. So I had, uh, almost, uh, three weeks without game. So I felt great and I uh, didn't want to add my break uh, straight away, uh, after the Six Nation and just before the Champions Cup as well. So I played Bordeaux. We had Bordeaux, a big game in the Matmut Stadium, uh, with 40, uh, 40,000 people. Uh, it was just a, a big game, great game. And, uh, we had the uh, two Champions Cup games. And after when we receive uh, Bayonne, so sorry for 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 Johnny, but when we received Bayonne, I had, uh, had my week holiday, so um, went to New York. Not the most uh, relaxing holidays, but uh, mentally you can just break over there. Uh, you can't see a rugby ball anywhere. Uh, nobody knows rugby, so for uh, for me it was really really nice. What does a professional rugby player do when they visit New York? Because I don't know if you've been Johnny. When I went, it was just fucking walking everywhere. Yeah, I stopped walking like 20k per day, per days, and uh, after I said to my girlfriend, like, well, I say we are uh, we need to um, to slow down a bit because uh, if I come back on Monday and I can't train because my uh, my scarves are, <laughs> are sore, I think <laughs> Ronan is gonna is gonna kill me. So I know we had uh, after a more bit, uh, relaxed uh, few days uh, at the end, just. Uh, Going Central Park, watch a bit of softball, um, having a little cruise for Liberty Island and um, just, uh, yeah, kind of uh, relaxed walk in Greenwich Village and Seoul. So 
No, it was great. It was great. It was really nice. He didn't make you wear the GPS tracker then, Ronan, and then send you a text saying, slow down, Greg, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Mate, it's someplace, and it's awesome to get a break as well mentally. Um, let's take a quick look back at the Six Nations and the feeling, because you're obviously aiming for back-to-back Grand Slams. It didn't quite happen, but some of the performances were phenomenal. So, so what was the general feeling at the end of camp and at the end of the competition? The general feeling was that we really, really learned a lot during this Six Nations. I think Ireland uh, did the Grand Slam and they deserve, they deserve it. They were a really good team. I think there was a there was the best team on the on the tournament on the Six Nation and um, wasn't the same feeling as um, years uh, before when uh, we we won, for example, against England and we won against Wales and both of the team won the Six Nation. After you know, it's not the same feeling. There we lost again England and they win. Well. Uh, well done to them and um, but we learned a lot we learned a lot yeah what types of things did you learn like again we talked to Pavel Emsley before about the ball and playtime the speed of that game in Dublin uh, it was exhausting but like, in general you say you learned quite a lot so what, what what are your takeaways what did you think you can learn as a group from that Six Nations comp well you know the game in, in Dublin uh, was a really really physical game we spent a lot of energy in that, in that game uh, lots of ball in play uh, but all this, uh, normally, we, uh, we are supposed to manage it with a strategy. We can take it down a bit, but we didn't manage to do that. We start playing a lot uh, in some areas of the field that we shouldn't. And so we learned that uh, even if we like to play and we like the French flair, we like to to have like uh, good runs and everything, we need to, uh, to learn that the strategy that we are training, uh, we do a training, it's really important for a game. I think this this game will be really important for us for the for the next uh, next months. And another thing Paul said, obviously you never want to lose a game and you really wanted to win back-to-back grand slams which would have been historic. But if you had it done, you'd have been going into a home world cup on a massive unbeaten run and that kind of adds another pressure. So in a way is it kind of good to have a wake up call and refocus the minds and then reset? Well, First intention was to win it, and uh, I would have preferred to win the Grand Slam as well. But now that it's done like this, I think it's gonna be um, it's gonna be good. For, well, uh, it's gonna be helpful for us for for the World Cup, of course. Um, about all physic physicality and everything, I say every, in the fitness, everything will be um, will be at same level for the World Cup because every team will have a, a good preseason and uh, will arrive in September. I think really fit. I think Thibaut Giroud uh, already told us we're going to spend the two uh, oddest months of our life. So, <laughs> well, not really looking for that. But uh, yeah, no. you know, precision is, is good as well because um, you you work a lot, but uh, you know what uh, what's for. So it's okay to do so, this kind of sacrifice. I actually spoke to Thibaut yesterday. He's buying some some Irish and Scottish meat from me, some Angus Cod de Boeuf. It's amazing things going through his head and what he wants to do is barbecue whilst also plotting, monstering all the boys over the next two, three months in preseason. It's crazy. I wanted to ask you also, the game at Twickenham, so a game against England that you hadn't won in the Six Nations since 2005. What was that like to live? You could see the emotion from Fabian and the coaching staff in the boxes and the reactions, but for a playing group, what was that like to go through absolutely dominating an English side like that? Just incredible, incredible. And for me, Twickenham is just um, a beautiful stadium and it's a special place to uh, to play rugby as well. Last time I played in Twickenham was, uh, I played two times, was once with the COVID, stadium was empty. So uh, like poor rugby. And uh, and uh, and the last, the first time I played over there, it was in 2019. And uh, we lost, I think, maybe uh, 40, 42 to, uh, to 15, something like this. It was a really tough game for us. It was just before the World Cup when England was uh, was on fire. So uh, I had a, a beautiful uh, memories of the atmosphere of the first game, but uh, we never tried. We never managed to have a uh, a great performance over there. We won in in Ireland. We won in Wales. We won in Scotland, and um, we uh, we didn't won in uh, in Twickenham. So that was a kind of challenge for us. And the team just um, was just perfect on this day. And after, you know, of course, uh, I think we uh, we put a lot of, lot of energy in it, a lot of intensity. But I'm sure as well, like 
you know, you have this kind of game where you can just try everything and everything will work. And this was all day for, for us. And Johnny mentioned that you had a bit, bit of a break before that. So that helps as well. You go out there fresh and things all of a sudden <laughs> click. In terms of the tournament as a whole, you mentioned that you it feels like you'd learned quite a lot. And obviously interesting that Tibe Giroud is already planning and mentally preparing you to be um, physically beasted during the summer. What did Fabian say at the end of the tournament? Was he kind of, aside from going off script in Dublin, was he quite happy with how things went or did he kind of give you areas to focus on? Well, you know, Fabian, we, we have uh, some briefing and debrief every week, but we never do a kind of uh, debrief and uh, goodbye after a tournament or after a tour or because it's just everything's still going on, you know? And when we will meet everybody start of July, he want us to feel like it was yesterday and we uh, we played the tournament, you know? Like everything is just uh, going on. So we don't have a big debrief of the tournament. We don't have big... Um, Bye bye uh, meeting, you know. At the end, uh, at the end, uh, we have uh, the staff of the of the French team on the phone every every two weeks, you know, to to keep the the thing going because seeing uh, in uh, in two months we uh, we start the the preseason, so it's going to be really quick. And as I say, like we learn a lot and we start working as well for the for the rest, and and we we keep working even if we are in club, you know, we keep working for for the World Cup. Right, we'll come on to the Champions Cup in a minute. But while Johnny was, I don't know, orienteering and brief, I was struggling, dragging two kids around Centre Park. You were stunning it in New York. Brilliant. Then you came back. You played your 100th game for La Rochelle at the weekend, didn't you? So congratulations. We saw the cool video the club put out. Did you get anything else? Did they buy you a present, a car? No, 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 no. We have a, a kind of ceremony at the end of the season. Uh, I prefer to do everything over there, to have a beer all together. And, uh, you know, you have some players leaving the club, uh, so they get as well a little thing. Um, people who did uh, 100 games, 150. So, uh, no, we uh, we have a, a photo of us in the um, training centre. We have a big wall with uh, all the centurions, they call it, yeah? uh, 100 games. And um, so really happy to be to be part of this wall and to have my photo over there. But uh, I hope it's just uh, another step and there will be much more because when you play with uh, Roman Sazi, who's get like uh, 330 game, I think, or f- almost 50 games, uh, even Winnie, Winnie Atono, like he's 270 games, something like this, and 50, 50 caps. That's just a uh, beast. <laughs> huge as well so you know you of course you I appreciate it and um i'm really happy to get my 100 game but uh you f- i still feel small against uh giants <laughs> like them you know it's pretty cool johnny but i'm a bit disappointed a photo on the wall is that it i was thinking he'd get a land rover uh what are you expecting yeah. me like, no <laughs> he's paid to be there. that's his job that's what you get <laughs> gone of the day and i'm like mate here's an extra pay here's a bonus here's a 10 percent bonus on your salary for we're doing your job. That's what it is. Um, but it's amazing. And it's also really cool when you see the loyalty and the quality that La Rochelle obviously has now, the pool for Roman Sazi to have stayed there, for Antonio to have been there since the start, and for Greg, hopefully as well, to go on and make 200, 300 appearances alongside a bunch of other French caps. Um, there's clearly something very special at La Rochelle with the setup, with the coaching group, and with the players. So it's really cool to see. Absolutely. And you won the game, more importantly, Greg, which is great. Yes, we won the game. So it was really... Uh... Perfect day for me. Perfect day at the office. And Johnny, seven home wins out of seven in the top 14 last weekend. We'll chat more about domestic matters next week, obviously, but we should find out what your meter moment of the week is. Uh, well, Greg getting his 100, that was close. <laughs> Jeff Poirot got 200. It was his 200th match for Bordeaux as well at the weekend. That was pretty cool. But it was a full house, which doesn't happen very often at all for Cami Lopez and Bayonne. Um which is ludicrous when you think the way that guy's gone, he keeps by on, not single-handedly, they're playing really well, but he just adds that little extra layer of control and detail that they maybe missed the past few seasons. So he managed to knock over a try, penalty, conversion, and another drop goal. I think that's his seventh of the season already this season for him. And they beat reigning champs Montpellier 33-30 in a thriller here in Bayonne. So... Cami Lopez, um, absolute freak show and well worth the meter moment of the week. He was incredible again. Greg, everyone knows how good Cami Lopez is, but Johnny's right. I don't think anyone saw him going down there and maybe having quite the impact 
that he has. Well, you know, uh, I played a few games with Camille, uh, with the French team, and um, he's a really good player, he, but he really understands rugby really well, you know. Um, and I think uh, Bayonne, uh, the good point of Bayonne is as well with Greg Pata, you know, the manager. Mm. He leaves uh, the project to the players, you know, so I'm sure, I don't know, honestly, I don't know, but I'm sure that Camille Lopez is really invested in the project. Uh, he's the one as well uh, um, taking a decision on the field, taking decision at training, and uh, you feel like he's really the boss of the team and he's in charge uh, of everything. Really feel like uh, everything is going really well for him over there. Those two, so Camille Lopez and Greg Pata arriving at the same time, like again, Cami Lopez has got an incredible reputation, top 14 and French rugby side as well, um, almost globally. But I was going to ask, Greg Patat is a guy that's arrived and nobody really knew much about. And really the mainstay of the side is a side that's come from Pro Des Deux. So like the average quality of the player, if you compare them to Montpellier or another squad, is probably way inferior. But he seems to get so much out of the group. It's, it's ridiculous. I was wondering, like, so he was at La Rochelle previously. I'm not sure if he was there when you were there and you were coming through, but he's since left and he's now at Bayonne. But like, what was his reputation as a coach, as a young coach coming through? Um, and how much of an effect did he have on, on your playing group when when he was there? Well, I came to La Rochelle for Greg Pata uh, because he was my coach in Osh. So uh, uh, with Pierre Bougait, uh, we went to La Rochelle uh, with Greg. He's a kind of uh, coach as well, like, he looks a lot probably too and national and he's really in interested in this rugby as well. He's the one who, who recruit uh, Reda Wardy in La Rochelle, Rémi Bourdeau in La Rochelle. Uh, I think I missed some, but like he really loves to to try to find potential in the players in Pro D2 and to bring them to, to top 14 because I think he's, he's watching to the men first uh, of the player because uh, when you have uh, good values, when you when you're big workers, all the rest you can learn it and um, improve really quick. So uh, he's that kind of of guy. After during the during the the week, uh, I think he's um, quite close of the players. For myself, like uh, on the Monday, he, he could tell me like, uh, "Well, great, uh, you were man of the match on this game, but uh, you missed this. You missed this here. I'm sure you can do better." Um, but after on the other side, when it was great, it was coming to see me and saying like, well, really, really good game, uh, really great. Um, he listened a lot as well. Um, he's not that guy who will say we do it like this and there is no other way. Um, he will say he was, he will try to see, uh, in La Rochelle, Romain Sazi for the line out, you know, try to, to take his, uh, point of view, uh, for some work, some stuff like this. Sometime he was asking me, um, uh, he's really curious as well what we do with the French team. You know, when we were in Cabreton, he went and spay, spent one day with us to to see how we were working. Uh, so he's a really open, uh, open-minded guy as well. And uh, I think this is why I say like him, uh, all the staff, Camille, uh, and I'm sure there is plenty of other players in Bayonne as well. They have a, they have a good mix at the moment. And if he took you to La Rochelle, Greg, it must have been sad for you when he left. Was it just a case that he wanted to be the main boss or a new project in Bayonne was that why he left well you know it's uh of course I was um I, I liked him so I would have uh, I would have loved him to to say it to our show but after it's just like uh sports uh, I'm not really sure about the the talk with Rog and uh, and the club he had but um well this is a uh, professional sports you sometimes you need to move and to to go forwards as well so but really happy for him that uh it works it's working so, so well in uh, in in Bayonne and I thought it was absolutely outrageous that Johnny didn't give you the meter moment of the week there but you're happy to give it to Cami when he started the talk I was sure he was for for Cami even me uh, if I had to choose one I would uh, give it to to Cami because uh, honestly what's the end of the game and uh when uh, when some some people say like top fourteen is not uh, it's not great to watch, just watch uh, Bayonne Montpellier. You have some sus uh, suspense and and at the end a drop of uh, forty meters. Uh, well, this is great rugby as well. There we go. That was Johnny and Greg's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. Recently making over twenty million cooks better with their game changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10 
and you get 10% off any full price item at meter.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's chat about the Champions Cup semifinals now then. And you're used to being at this stage now, Greg. It's happened for the last few years. Does it feel different in a week like this though? And what's been said ahead of the game? Well, of course, of course, it's different. Um, I think everybody's focused on uh, on Sunday, trying to to do a bit more every day, trying to do a bit more video analysis, uh, a bit more gym, a bit more um, recovery. Now we, uh, you know, we, we work really, really hard during eight months to 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 play this kind of uh, of game. So um, really looking forward to be on Sunday. And uh, and to have a um, big big game against uh, against Exeter. Are you looking forward to playing the game in Bordeaux? I know, like your home stadium is phenomenal. You nearly eighty sellouts on the trot at home, like La Rochelle. That the stadium is insane. But there'll be even more of you down in Bordeaux. Like it's a forty-two thousand seater. There's going to be thirty thirty-five La Rochelle thousand supporters down there. So how much are you looking forward to playing the game in a bigger stadium, an even bigger spectacle? No, it's to, um, first to to receive the semi final. It's just awesome, but uh, of course it would have been great to to Lausanne to to receive it in uh, in Lausanne here. Um, but uh, the Matmut Stadium in Bordeaux is just uh, an amazing stadium, a uh, really loud stadium. And um, when I, when we see that uh, thirty tickets, thirty thousand tickets was sold in uh, in two, two no two hours or yeah. like. It's crazy. just inc- just crazy, just crazy. So, yeah, just looking forward to be over there. But just we need to to now know that Exeter is coming there. They're a really good team, and to have thirty thirty thousand uh, fans in uh, in the stands will not win the game. Uh, so uh, we need to to work hard on the, on the field to to have a to have a good uh, a good game. So on the analysis that you've gotten through, you face something like four English sides on the bounce in the Champions Cup, Gloucester, Saris, now Exeter. What have you made of them? In your analysis, what's going to be crucial? Where are the key battles going to be? Um, and how difficult is it going to be to be battle them down? Well, they're a really aggressive team. Uh, defence, uh, they go really hard. So they run really hard. So we need to to be precise, to put lots of intensity as well. Of course, we know that when they, they come close from uh, from the line, they have a really good pick and go. We know they have some uh, really good player for that. They're good in line out. You know, we arrive at we arrive at the points where all the team are good everywhere. So we just need as well to uh, to focus on us to to try to be at our best 
because we really have this mentality in our show we're looking for standards and to <clears throat> to go further up even instead of uh, always looking at the opposite team and try to find something to to improve or no we of course we watch we watch them but uh we watch us a lot as well and we try to to be at our best and johnny mentioned those other english teams that you've faced covering the game against saracens la rochelle were incredible it helped that Bottier won a turnover at just about every rugby hit. So that was pretty useful. The game before that against Gloucester, that was a bit of a shock to everyone else. Was it a shock to you? Did you feel like you were just slightly off the boil or did Gloucester play in a certain way that kind of spooked you a little bit? Well, they had, um, I think, the perfect game. Uh, well, close to the perfect game. We knew that uh, they had nothing to lose and just need to put intensity that uh, in premierships they were a bit uh, criticized by, by the media and everything. We were not surprised to to see to see them at this level. Um, I think we didn't do a best game as well. We needed as well to to have the because there is kind of gap as well between top 14 and uh, and uh, Champions Cup finals. So um, we had to to have this game, and uh, hopefully it was just a reminder for the for the Saracens game. But uh, we could have lost uh, this game, and it would have been a, a dramatic end of our Champions Cup season. Yeah. And Exeter, I think all four meetings are quite a while ago now. But I'm right in saying you haven't beaten them. Has that been spoken about this week that you owe them one? Yeah, we uh, we spoke about it. Like uh, we never beat them. Uh, I remember this game in Marcel de Flandre as well, where. It was really hard, really tough. I tried to to get some uh, some info as well on Exeter. I learned that they had uh, 19 players leaving the club at the end of the season. So you know when you when you're in this kind of situation, you're you're really dangerous. You're a really dangerous team. So so this will be really difficult for us. Uh, I think we showed everybody uh, last year that uh, when you arrive in semi-finals, all the team are on the same level. There is no. Not a, a better team than another one. Everything's possible. No, like we really looking for for a massive game, massive game. And what have the coaching group been like? Rog obviously has been in this situation before. Is he now quite calm in these types of weeks and that he's been there as a player, you've been there as a group together and won the trophy last season? Or is there a real urgency to try and get this over the line and find a point of difference, beat Exeter and get yourselves to another final? There is some excitement of everybody, of course. But... Um... We have players who who, um, who play as well, lots of international games. So we we kind of experienced team, even if we are quite young. But uh, we have experience in the in the team, and uh, we Rod really try to to use a bit of experience of everybody. Now after our training, training are really maybe step a step uh, step higher. Not in the intensity and uh, in the physicality of the training, but just in the in the precision and uh, and exigence of uh, of the coaches. So, so this is just perfect for us. Johnny, Greg mentioned it there. There are so many players leaving Exeter at the end of this season. Yeah, They're huge underdogs with the bookies. 18 to 1 you can get for them to win this game, which in a two-horse race is massive. So they've almost been kind of written off by people on the outside. But clearly inside La Rochelle, they know a lot of this group of players that are leaving also won promotion to the Premiership. They then went on, they won the Premiership, they won the Champions Cup. So there's this pool of players that, to coin a Netflix documentary, this is their last dance. That's an intangible that you can't put into the odds with the bookies, isn't it? No, especially when you look at those internal drivers, what makes people tick? How do they want to function as a group? How do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? Like, And rugby is really emotional games. If you're going to get up for something, yes, you've got the performance aspect of playing in a European semi-final, but you've also got... Cowan Dickey, Simmons, Moon, Hogg, Nowell, all moving on at the end of the season. So they know how big a shot this is to potentially cause a massive upset. And there is the stardust there. There's the quality to cause an upset, but they just haven't been consistently good enough this season together. They haven't been fit enough. They've lost quite a few people at key moments as well. So they've got a decent bunch together. Like you go through that list, effectively five, six British lines. Like there's some good players. So like like Greg knows, like those one-to-ones up against Simmons, the key clashes, but you can't underestimate. I think that's where the bookies get it wrong. 18 to 1. That's ridiculous odds. Um, when you saw how close the game with Gloucester was, Saracens was a little bit trickier. Also, you've got the difference in style. So like Saracens played into 
the Larishell blitz defense and couldn't get around it or through it. And I think Exeter will have seen that. They'll, they'll watch the video and the tape of the Gloucester game and they'll try and find ways, because Rob Bax is a very smart coach as well, to try and beat the Larishell defensive system. But like the fundamentals of energy and will and emotion that go into rugby are massive. And like if they're capable of getting themselves up to cause one massive upset, that's why this game at supposedly a neutral venue is dangerous. And Johnny mentioned Ren O'Gara before, Greg, and those details that Johnny was talking about there about the way the different English teams have played against you, the way actually he's clearly going to be on top of all that. But we hear a lot nowadays about environments and things being player-led. So given all of your experience at international level as well as at club level and the fact that you've been at this stage of the tournament loads of times before, can he leave it to the leaders in the group to kind of manage things during the course of a week and get players on the right track? You give us a lot of liberty, yes. But uh, I think the good mix is to have a bit of everybody, you know, and um, because they've been working on the game for, for maybe two weeks now. So they can see some stuff that we are not able to see. Uh, because we need to work uh, week after week for us. So, uh, no, they give us, uh, they show us a bit of everything. And after we choose, like, maybe I think this is better, this is better, this is better. Antoine Astori for that is really good as well. Like, he takes the team, uh, the attacker um, in charge, and he helps a lot the team. So this is really great for us. But, um, of course, I think it would be silly for or from us to to just say to Roger, I stay on the side and we deal with it. Like, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, good luck o- saying o- that. Yeah, <laughs> almost o- how many game he had in uh, Champions Cup? Like uh, more just than insane. anyone else. Yeah, yes, yeah. he's a legend of the Champions Cup. I think he is you know, the guy who knows uh, better the, this competition. So, yeah, and given that he has played so many games in the competition, had such success in the competition, we know how much he loves the Champions Cup. Clearly, you guys want to win the top 14 and the Champions Cup. If I asked you to choose one of the two, I don't think you'd do it. So I won't. But Winnie Antonio has spoken about it, I think, that prior to Ronan O'Gara coming into the club, there was definitely a feeling that it was all about the top 14 and the Europe was just, you know, if you could, you would. That's clearly changed. So do you notice a difference in him in European weeks? And has that mindset very much shifted since he arrived at the club? Well, you know, uh, the fact is that Champions Cup is seven games, three, four in, uh, for eight games. Eight games, <clears throat> to yeah. Go to, eight games to go to the end. So, of course, you have uh, like an intensity and you have something special during these eight weeks during a year. For top 14, like it's kind of marathon. You have a 26 uh, game uh, and then a semi-final final. So you can't have this intensity and all this uh, and ask to the guys to be as focused as in the Champions Cup for 30 games, you know. So of course it's different, both of them. But now we arrive in a situation where we have we have two months left and um, everything is important. And um, I think we... we the group, the players show a really good message to to the top fourteen and uh, and uh, and to the staff as well because we had the last two game with a kind of mixed team and uh, they had really good performance and uh, and we know that if we want to go far and uh, if we want to finish with two titles, we hope uh, we need to have 40, 45 players really uh, really uh, performance. And that's been the difference between, for instance, yourselves and Toulouse is that the depth of the squad. That you have, but then also how well organized you are. You can see your systems, your templates, how you work. You can fit players in, and they can excel. That like that's been the exceptional part of these two teams. That's why you've both been head and shoulders above the rest for the past couple of seasons. Like a good example would be Joel Sclavi, a guy who pretty much hadn't scored a try in his career, and he scored five tries in the past seven games. So like, it's that type of story that like he must be wandering around the club thinking he's he's the best thing and telling everyone he's the try scoring record for the year, but. That's the beauty of a club like La Rochelle or Toulouse. It's the systems, the people side is also good, the infrastructure is there, and then it allows people to flourish, like yourself, obviously with an abundance of talent, but a Sclavi can come in and be absolutely phenomenal as well. That's the beauty of La Rochelle. What's Joel like at the moment, Greg? Is he unbearable? Is he just saying, give me the ball, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm scoring tries for fun? <laughs> no, no, yeah, he's just unbelievable. unbelievable. And um, we, uh, well, he was always a, a good player, but uh, you don't know, sometimes you have it maybe he's just uh, happy, uh, happy and enjoying it. And um, of course, when we're close to a line and I see Joel with the ball, like just 
co-ed, co-ed more because something uh, happening uh, regularly now. So no, it's great for him. I guess if you flip that, somebody you're going to have to stop this weekend. And you mentioned Exeter, phenomenal from five meters out. They are extremely well organized as well. Sam Simmons, who you're up against at number eight, you've played against him before. What's he like to play against and what are his strengths? Well, it's that kind of player that is uh, capable of everything a bit. Like um, he can run straight on you. Uh, he can go uh, take you by speed on the on the on the wing. A really quick player. Really lots of agility and um, and still a really strong player as well. So never know what he's going to do. So you just need to 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 attack him and not uh, not wait for him to to make his decision. But uh, really tough to to play against him. Yeah. And how do you reckon he'll go in the top 14? Because you've obviously got Zach Mercer moving back to the Premiership. Sam Simmons is taking his spot in Montpellier. How do you reckon he'll go in top 14 and, and the type of rugby we play over here? Well, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Top 14 is really different from, from everything. Uh, some players really enjoy it. Like when you see Zach Mercer, like first year he's been in top 14, he was just incredible. Uh, and some players, some uh, All Blacks legends, they came to... Um, to to top 14 and they were they weren't really good so you never know like uh you have as well to to have your family in france uh how is it going uh, you know when it is as well when you're happy at home when everything is okay on the, on the outside rugby you're better at rugby as well so it depends on every player every player is, diff- uh, is different for that and uh, we saw that in la Rochelle, you know you you have some players who need after one year, one year of adaptation to be at the best level. Some players, they arrive and they're really good at the moment. So really, it's really tough to, to say. That's a really interesting point that Greg makes there about the family aspect, Johnny. People always say that sometimes when you have kids, it gives you perspective and you become a better player. Having got a couple of young kids, I'm sorry, thinking, I couldn't do that's that's fucking bollocks isn't it or, or is it johnny like d- did you become a better player when you had kids did i fuck is the honest answer <laughs> as soon as the sleep deprivation creeps in like greg mentioned earlier recovery doing extra bits extra days in the gym like as soon as a decision between the wednesday they're off school you can either do extra weights and try and maintain some physical shape or you can look after them in a park you're looking after <laughs> them in a park that's what happens so for me like you look at guys and i now have a sort of different level of respect for guys that have had kids young and it doesn't change them they they have no effect or there's also guys that wait like you look at Richie McCaw for instance like these guys intentionally have waited till after their careers to have children so mate for me it was part of my downfall I'm not shy in saying it in that I didn't have the physical capacity to do both be like hands-on dad and be rugby player so Greg don't have kids while you're playing it's an absolute <laughs> mission <laughs> Greg, Johnny is at the stage now. He only retired a few years ago. He can't even play veterans football without getting knackered now. So, yeah, don't <laughs> don't go down our route. <laughs> uh, Sam has got a young kid, I think, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts over there. But a hell of a move for, for him. He'll obviously be looking forward to that. Let's chat about the other semi-final a little bit because we spoke about the Six Nations game, Ireland-France in Dublin. In terms of a club match, this is as close as you can get to that a big international game at the same stadium massive representation there were 12 Leinster players in the Ireland starting 15 that won the Grand Slam I think maybe eight Toulouse players started that game in Dublin so we sort of know roughly what to expect from both teams who's your money on Greg well I'm gonna say Toulouse Toulouse to to support them because uh, lots of friends in it and um you know, like uh, it's big clash as well. So whatever with the all the odds saying and everything, it's fifty fifty. You know, it's uh, you have massive player on both side. Um, of course, Leinster is I think for the moment like one of the best team in Europe. But it, it's been a while. They didn't had uh, didn't have a, a big game, a big difficult game. Uh, so how, how can they manage it? And um, and I think Toulouse as well. They want to. Um, to say stop as well because uh, they lost uh, plenty of game against Leinster and you know we we the French I don't know for the for the other team but when we are a bit scared we are really dangerous so well maybe it's just my effect and uh, and for for my friends I would say to lose that's it no, but I agree w- with you in that like last year I think at this stage they got quite heavily 
beaten, um, but they were on their last legs. Like there were injuries. They'd also gone to both finals. Um, they were exhausted. And now things have been managed. They've got most of their players fit. So they're in way better shape now than they were at this stage of the season. And you've also got that revenge element in that you know you're going over there. Johnny Sexton isn't going to be involved. You're playing against the best, but to win, you have to go and beat the best. And that's they they know that. La Rochelle boys know that as well. So for them, there's a massive opportunity to go over and avenge what was a poor loss last season. And they know what's waiting for them. They've been there in the exact same stadium last season, but they'll believe in themselves. To lose when they fire can beat anyone. That's the truth of it. And I think it will be closer. I would say Leinster are still the favourites, like Bookie's favourites, but to lose, have got a better chance going over this season and knocking them over. So it would be phenomenal to see a La Rochelle to lose final. I think everyone over in France would love to see that. But yeah, they're definitely in better shape than they were for the semis last year. And Johnny mentioned no Sexton, Greg. If you're in that Toulouse camp, that's a big difference, isn't it? Yes, of course, it's a big difference because I think he's one of the key uh, key players of Sar- uh, of Saracen of Leinster. But never know as well because Ross Byrne is quite a good player as well. Um, he was in the team for the Six Nation, so um, he had some confidence and um, maybe he's a bit more as well. Well, when Johnny is playing, you can quite know what he's going to do every time but he's doing it really good so sometimes even if you know it like uh, um, there's no way you can stop him but uh, I think Burn is uh, can can try maybe uh, a bit more can can surprise you and this can be as well uh, difficult for Toulouse and Johnny Greg spoke earlier on about what France got wrong in Dublin during the Six Nations and how they sort of went off script a little bit. Did Toulouse need to... Stick to the script. Yeah, do they need to rein <laughs> themselves in a little bit? Do they need to be more pragmatic and then just seize those moments and then go off script? I don't know the, uh, the point as well, as, um, the strategies that they put in place and everything, but I'm sure that uh, Dupont, Marchand and everything will, would take a lot of uh, the experience in Dublin. And just to add to that, I think there are certain elements that you're going into a Leinster game you want to target. So even if you look at La Rochelle's performance against Saracens and key things like scrum penalties, mall penalties, like little things that you can nick away in the power elements of the game that to lose, I think, should have an advantage over Leinster. If you go in and you're playing 45 to 50 minutes of ball in play, that's Leinster's game. That's Ireland's game. That's what they know. That's how they're organised and they're super well organised. They have a terrific shape and a speed to their game that really, if you remove Sexton, you put in burn doesn't change that much. It's Byrne that plays every game in the URC. Johnny Sexton rarely plays in URC. He's, he's there. He's comfortable. He's familiar with the systems and he's excellent. You've even got young it's Sam Prendergast that played against the Lions a couple of weekends ago. I mean, he looks phenomenal as well, 20 years old. So there's a conveyor belt of talent, but if you're to lose, it's how do you cut the game? How are the key elements of cutting the, the speed out of the game, taking a check, recovering so that you can bring those physical collision elements and try and grind Leinster down. That's what typically, if you look at Saracens in the past when they beat Leinster in these semis and finals, that's what they did. And I'd say that's the way Toulouse will have to go about it this weekend as well. But look, a phenomenal game of rugby, like two teams at the absolute top of their game with some of the best players in the world playing. So really looking forward again to watching it. It will be an exceptional game of rugby. And obviously, Greg, you just want to be extra, make the final, don't really care who you're facing. But it's quite different, isn't it? You you could be up against loads of your mates in the final, which I imagine is a challenge in itself, although you face them all the time. And we've spoken before about how you want to get one over to lose because they've given you enough in the past. Or you could be facing a bunch of island players who you lost to in Dublin in February and you'll be back in Dublin and it'll be a sort of revenge mission. So how do you feel about the prospect of, of either? Well, of course, uh, first there was summer final, so I don't want to be um, to be looking too too far. But to to have a French team winning in in Dublin will be a, a great revenge as well. So uh, and, um, and I prefer like if I'm not the one uh, winning the the cup, I prefer my friends to win the cup. So of course I would say to lose. So we're going for a, a La Rochelle Toulouse final in Dublin, Johnny. I'm on, mate. I've got my tickets, but well, I'll be in Bordeaux <laughs> this weekend with BT Sports. So I'm like massively looking forward to it, as I said, but it would be class, especially given Ireland winning the Grand Slam. Um, to have an all-French final in Dublin would be exceptional. So uh, yeah, let's go for both French wins. And also, I don't know how much this has been spoken about in France, but 
it's spoken about a lot over here about the fact that I know Toulouse are a massive side. It is a toss-up, but there is a feeling that that home advantage that Leinster have had all the way through and they're going to have in the final as well. You guys, Greg, obviously have had to move your game to Bordeaux. You don't get to play at home. I know technically the Aviva Stadium isn't Leinster's home ground, but sort of is. They play a lot of games there. So is that spoken about in France as well? Yeah, of course. Uh, lots of... Uh... Lots of the media and everything speak about it, but uh, this is rugby. You know, last year we we played Leicester in the in the Velodrome in uh, in Marseille uh, stadium. Was I think seventy percent of the stadium was uh, was with us. You know, so well we we know that uh, we know that the Champions Cup uh, final is in uh, in France in Dublin in uh, in London next year. So. Well, we need to. This is no, no more an excuse, you know. We uh, we just need to uh, to go and the the team who, who will want to win the most uh, will uh, will win, uh, except La Rochelle or Leinster Dublin. So after it's uh, like I say, uh, it's not the fan winning the the game; is uh, the players on the field. So we need to work hard, and uh, they need uh, to work hard as well to win the game. That's the professional's answer, Johnny. The the run, it's not their, their fault. We always knew the final was going to be in Dublin. We sort of knew the semi-final, if Leinster got there and got a top seeding, was going to be in Dublin because it, it's a neutral venue, but in Ireland and a big ground, you always know they're going to use the, the Aviva. So a lot of the stuff that is written in the media is just kind of paper talk and kind of stirring things up. But it's just a quirk, isn't it, that Leinster get to play all of these games in a comfortable environment that they all play in international club level. All I know is I've just seen EPCR have named the next cycles final at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I think that's wonderful charity that we're finally going to get a trophy lifted in Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, it, mate, it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. What do you want me to say? It's not intentional bias. It just is what it is. It's going to favour somebody. Um, right now it favours Leinster, but that's just what it is. But Really looking forward to the Tottenham Stadium. That will be epic as well. Absolutely. Shall we round things up with a bit of transfer news, Johnny? There's normally something floating about in the top 14. There's a few, mate. Um, I actually bumped into, on my holidays in Breve, I actually bumped into Ross Moriarty. We were having dinner at um, Les Halles and bumped into Ross, who's just signed there and actually took the kids down to watch the, the Breve game against Stade Francais. So bumped into Ross, um, who seems to be settling in well. Uh, another one to Breve, Jackson Garden Bashup. Coming from the Southern Hemisphere, um, decent talent as well. Looks like he signed 2025. So they're going on a big recruitment drive to try and bounce straight back up if they do get relegated um, to try and bounce straight back up. Benjamin Udabijeta, my old teammate at Cast, apparently he must be 55 by now, that book, yeah. tell you. Um, apparently looking at heading back to Clermont to work with Christoph Urias, our old coach. Is that a good signing, Johnny? Because obviously we know about his experience in the top 14. He He's been brilliant but is it a good signing or does it show the kind of level that Clermont are at at the moment it's hard to work that one out he would bring stability in that he would knock over his goals he's a steady head he knows the top 14 like the back of his hand he's a little terrier like he doesn't give an inch he makes his tackles he's just steady Eddie so maybe that's a case of that's what they want to bring to Clermont at the minute in that they don't really feel like they're producing anything consistently although the past couple of weekends some of the dog and fight they've shown in the games has been superb but Benji would just bring a constant edge that all year he's there operating at a certain level that you know he's going to bring something positive to the team. So that that's Benji. Uh, going the other way is Sheik Tijbergen, who was at Claremont. He was actually in the academy in Bayonne when I was there. He's been up at Claremont for the past five seasons. He's moving back down to Bayonne. So with Arthur Churia, which is a big signing for Bayonne, uh, Tijbergen, that's another one. Like Cami Lopez, then getting a few players back. Um, I'm not sure there's any others. Have you seen any others floating around top 14? Leicester, ooh, surname. Bayanganuku. There you go. Moving to Toulon. Um, that's a big signing as well. So like, it's this time of year, all starts to move. Players from all over the globe coming into top 14, which is the best league in the world. Um, so yeah, looking forward to watching the new boys making their marks next season. In answer to your question, Johnny, I didn't bump into anyone at Centre Park. So no, no inside gossip <laughs> from here. Yeah, just screaming kids, left, right and centre. I was I very much spent the week, by the way, just kind of thinking uh, it could be worse. I could be Johnny. I could have I could have three kids. So that, that's how I made myself feel bad. Is that what you did? You mutual friend Jim Hamilton? Do you just kind of think oh, it could be worse? I could have four like him. I'm like, no, I could be young and 
just have a missus like Greg Aldrich and be living life and off to New York. That's what, New York. that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. But you have to rationalize. We have to, we can't go the other, we can't go back now, Tim. We've come too far. We're old. Man. Yeah. Get me to New York. Tell you yeah. what. <laughs> and one more line. What has happened with Luke Cowan-Dickey's move to Montpellier, Johnny? Oof. Um, so that's not a good look. Um, in the in France, there are specific rules around neck injuries. In that, for instance, Juan Fagallo, who I played with at Montpellier, injured his neck, had it repaired. But then there are certain guidelines with the LNR and Top 14 that mean that they don't accept these types of injuries, where you can continue to play in the Premiership. So Luke Cowan-Dickey, making the move from Exeter to Montpellier, had to do a two-day medical. Apparently, this has come out in French press this week, that he did the first day of medical tests. Then it looks like he went out on the piss and got in some sort of altercation. I've got no idea. And then missed the second day of tests with Montpellier. And potentially they're looking at tearing up the pre-contract. So that would be a massive balls up for him if that's what's happened. Um, because then you're like, where else do you go? Like premiership salary cap shrinking if Montpellier go back on that contract because you've messed up in the um, the physical testing phase. Um, that's a big mistake. So fingers crossed for him. It hasn't gone completely through and he will be retained. But um, yeah, it's just not a good look. Hopefully it can all be resolved quickly. Yeah, we'll see what comes out in the wash with that over the next few weeks. Thanks, Johnny. A massive good luck for this weekend, Greg. Go well. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And cheers for coming on. Great to hear about a bit of a Six Nations debrief and a look at the Champions Cup. Thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers, boys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.